Hey everybody, this is uh, to be time of the Batman Revolution podcast. This is episode number ninety two. This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network. Did I get it, Tim? Man, I don't think you even have to ask me anymore because you've been nailing it the last few episodes. Jeez, maybe I should write that down, like that whole sentence. Maybe I should just <laughs> write it down. So, uh, I there's no question that I can't get it. <laughs> you know what's going to happen? You've been doing it so smoothly the last few episodes that if once you write it down. You're gonna mess up again. <laughs> it's yeah, gonna throw yeah. you off. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna mess up somehow. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, just go. I I think we should do our plugs and stuff in the beginning of the show. So just go over to BatmanUniverse.net and Facebook.com/slash the Batman Universe on Twitter. Twitter handle at Batman Universe. Our Twitter handle is at Batfast27. Tim's Twitter handle is at TimG311. My <laughs> my uh, Twitter handle is at Dane Says Banana. Uh, and you can email us at badfanswithoutpants at gmail.com. Uh, mixing things up for this episode. I like yeah. that. <laughs> well, I figured I'd put that at the beginning because I don't know if people listen to the very end of our podcast. So That's Maybe if we get listeners for the first time and they're hearing it, but then they go, oh, this guy sounds pretty good. Let me go follow him. But then we say something that they don't agree with. Like, oh man, these guys are idiots. I'm not listening to it anymore. <laughs> At least they want to check this. They could follow us on Twitter and all that stuff. Come on, Tim. Everybody loves us. <laughs> yeah, I don't think that's true. <laughs> but you know, you mentioned episode 92. Yeah. That reminded me of the year 1992 as being probably one of my favorite Batman years ever. <laughs> Can you guess why, Dane? Hmm. Does it have anything anything to do with something that you talk about <laughs> every single probably every single day every, at least every single hour of those days does it <laughs> yes it does <laughs> <laughs> well why don't you tell everybody what it is that year 1992 we got batman returns the first batman movie i ever saw in theaters but what spawned out of batman returns the animated series. I mean, come on. The <laughs> number 92 has big significance in the world of Batman. I mean, for I know Batman Returns has its like lovers and haters out there, but for the most part, everyone agrees Batman the Animated Series is great. So just on that alone, it makes the number 92 such a significant number any year. So if we ever get to episode 1,092, uh, <laughs> then I'll bring this up again. But since we're just on 92 right now, I'll just go ahead and do it ahead of time and share how much that number and year is so significant in Batman history and for my Batman fandom. So well, what about uh show 192, like 192 instead of hmm. 1092? I don't know. This doesn't have the same ring to it as me <laughs> for me as 1092. That'd be a good password for like uh, your Twitter account or iTunes account, like uh, BTAS 1992. That would be, but you know what? If that actually was my password I use, you'd be giving it out to everybody right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be buying stuff on iTunes. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, were you going to say something, Tim? Oh, no. I just oh. had to get that out there. I know you, <laughs> I'm not going to go on and on about how amazing the Batman animated series is and how much it means to me as a Batman fan. I can say it's tons of podcasts you can listen to for that, but I yeah. couldn't let the episode go by without recognizing the number 92. Who won the World Series in 1992? Is it um, the Yankees? No, no. no. That was their crap years. Yeah. 
it might be a team that has a good chance of winning it this year, actually. Let's see. Uh, World Series 1992. It's American, American League team. Oh, the Blue Jays? Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh, was that... Um, oh, what's his name? But Joe Carter's oh. home run? Yeah, Joe Carter's home run. That was actually the next year, 93. That was when they went back-to-back. Jesus. And 93 was the last time they ever made it to the postseason. So yeah. <laughs> That's why everyone's all getting excited about their run this year. to Not just make it to the World Series, but just getting into the postseason after so many years. Yeah, you see, everybody's going to get all excited like they did for the, for the Royals last year. Everybody's going to get all excited. Everybody's going to get pumped up. And let's say they do make it to the World Series, right? Mm-hmm. They're gonna lose. I'm sorry, Tim, but it, I don't believe in the Cinderella story. Yeah. <laughs> it's I, I think it's a good enough Cinderella story if you make it to the World Series and like once you're in there, anything can happen. And if you win, great. If not, it's still a pretty good story. Unless you're like the Yankees, and even though you make it, it's not good enough. You have to win it. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was about to say. It's like, I mean, I guess for a lesser franchise, that would be good. But yeah. I don't know. To me. If you make it to the World Series and you lose, you're just like the rest of the other teams. Technically, it's true. Yeah. Like, yeah. Although you do get your American League ring or National League Championship ring the next year, so you get a little something that other yeah, teams but don't it's, get. Yeah, but it's not as good as a oh, yeah. World Series ring. <laughs> I don't think not too many players wear those, <laughs> like American League and National League rings when they go out places. Yeah. I was thinking about this recently. Has there ever been a World Series team where they won the World Series and they fired their GM? Not that I can after that. I mean, why would you? I mean, they just yeah, won the yeah. World Series. I don't think they can do that. <laughs> they look so bad. I mean, of course, the next season, the team's doing horrible. They want to make a change, and that's something. Yeah, but like during the offseason after a championship, I don't think so. Yeah, because... Um, you know, uh, Dave Dombrowski from uh, the Tigers? Yep. Yeah, he got fired, right? So no. I was just wondering if there was, like, any. And his team, or his teams, I should say, like, everyone, they were always favorites for a lot, but they never won a World Series with him. So that's probably why he was time for him to go. <laughs> yeah. And didn't they lose in four both times? Uh Five in 2006, and then, yeah, in 2012, they got swept. Yeah, well, the Giants, right? Yep. <laughs> um, but, yeah, anyway, uh, we can – let's get to our Dark Knight Rises minute-by-minute commentary thing. Right, Tim? Yes, because we're getting close to a Batman appearance. I can feel it coming. <laughs> we're getting very dangerously close to our first time we see Batman in a Batman movie. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> – um. Yeah, th- this episode we're going from minute 44 to 45, so just queue up your VHS tape, your beta tape, your projector, your HD DVD. Uh, what is it called, like ultraviolet? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, well, ultraviolet. That's not, a, that's not a dead format, though. I think people still Yeah, but do people really use that? Yeah, sometimes I do. It always comes like when you purchase a Blu-ray, you get that free download code. Right, It's right. always ultraviolet. You can sync up with iPad or iPhone, so I use it sometimes. Hmm. What else? Uh, laser disc. You always got to be laser disc. Laser disc. I forgot about that. This movie would probably be on two laser discs. Uh, I think three. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, was that it? 
Yeah, I think that's, that's it. You got all the dead formats. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so so just get any of those media and uh, just t- just put it to the 44th minute. And I'm going to give the countdown. So, Tim, are you ready? Let's do it. All right, three, two, one, hit play. There's a bunch of police cars. Batman's going to be following up pretty soon. I don't know why they have a sniper. He doesn't do anything. Yeah, well, when they started bringing out the hostages, like it's going to really get a clear shot in if any of them were Bane's men or Bane yeah. himself. And John Blake there for, like, no reason. <laughs> <laughs> He's part of the police department. He has to be there. Oh, yeah, I guess so. Time to go mobile. <laughs> <laughs> I always like that line. <laughs> the product placement? <laughs> That folding tablet. I like that that the guy was holding Bane's helmet, motorcycle helmet, <laughs> the whole time. He says thank you. <laughs> See, Bane's not all that bad. Yeah, he's not a bad guy. And we're almost not. Are we gonna see that? No. No, I don't think so. Dang it. No. <laughs> Just a bunch of people walking out of the building. <laughs> yeah. That's so cool. We're getting closer, Tim. We're getting. I think we have a good chance. By. Next episode, but I think for sure, and by episode ninety four, we'll be seeing Batman. We're at least gonna see him in that tunnel thing. That uh, uh, you know when all the lights go out. Mm, yeah, I think we're gonna see him there, but I don't know. It could be it could cut off like right before we see him. Yeah, right before the lights go on. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like no, no. <laughs> Gonna wait another two weeks to see him. <laughs> <laughs> because we're not popping this movie in just to watch it normally until we finish. No, 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 that's cheating. That's cheating. <laughs> uh, but uh, Tim, why don't you cheat and tell people <laughs> about our feature topics for this episode? <laughs> yeah, so uh, this is something I was thinking about. I mean, with Star Wars right now, we have the whole thing with the EU canon going away. Now Star Wars is just one single canon. We got the movies, Clone Wars, Rebels, comics, all those novels now. They're all just one single canon story. And for some reason, I just started thinking, what if DC and Warner Brothers decided to do that with Batman? I mean, Batman has 75 years of history. And you can't erase all that stuff. That's those stories that were told to the various mediums. But... I was just wondering, would the Batman franchise work better as a single canon story, like moving forward? What if DC and Warner Brothers came to an agreement where you got the new Ben Affleck movies in, coming out in the DC Cinematic Universe, and what if DC Comics decided, okay, uh, we need to shake things up again, let's decide to do another reboot, but now we're going to make every comic story tie in with the movies with the video games coming out like anything we'll create a new animated series and it'll be part of the same like batman universe everything you read will be one singular canon story kind of similar to how star wars is now and i just think would that would that be better for the batman franchise and i think it has its pros and cons really because like i said you don't want to get rid of all the history that happened before with the classic batman stories and maybe you can still have that be part of that new canon's like history or if you want to retell it again you can do that but just uh, but not do it completely different as kind of how the new 52 does was taking certain things you have all that in there but maybe just do a slightly variation on a retelling of it but i, I think that actually just i think i'd like to see him try that i'm curious to see how that would work because i gotta tell you i just love being able to pick up my the star wars comics and novels now and reading it knowing that yeah this is happening in the same universe 
the same canon as the movies in Clone Wars and Rebels now. And it even adds to some stuff because there was this great moment in the, the Star Wars comics where we finally learned how Darth Vader found out that the rebel who blew up the Death Star was Luke Skywalker, his son. That moment was awesome. And it had this great panel moment where Vader just thinking about like the past from Revenge of the Sith and how everything went wrong for him. But now he has this hope that his son's alive. So just seeing that moment in reading in the comic and then when you watch Empire, it just adds so much to that. Like, you know the history of how Vader found this out. So stuff like that just works so good when you're reading this stuff and it's all part of the same canon story. So I can't imagine how awesome it would be if I'm reading a Batman comic and then maybe in a year or two there's something that was in that comic that plays into a movie that happened later or they put out a video game that fills in the gaps too. So I just love that idea of storytelling now and I think it can be done for Batman. I'm sure not everyone will be for it because I think part of what makes Batman great is because there's so many variations you can choose from on what Batman stories you like that are out there. So I don't know. Something I was thinking about, I'd like to see it maybe try it in the future. I don't know if I'll ever get it, but it's something I'd be down for. I don't know, Dane, how about you? Is that something you think could work, or is it just better to leave it how it is and just focus on telling good Batman stories in the different mediums? Um, yeah, in short, for the immediate, just focus on putting out great Batman stories because it seems like with the new 52, we really, we really didn't have that. But I can also see it as it's... Uh, it would be an easier jump on point for newer readers. You know, they, mm-hmm. they saw the, I don't know, let's say the Ben Affleck movie or Batman v Superman or whatever. And they can just jump in the comics and, you know, they understand what's going on, you know, what's happening and things like that. But going back to a point that you made earlier, Tim, about uh, Star Wars and, you know, reading about how uh, Vader found out that Luke blew the uh, Death Star. I think the reason why you enjoyed that partially, at least partially, is because you felt that both financially and I guess time-wise that you weren't wasting... I mean, this had meaning. Mm -hmm. You know, this wasn't just, uh, okay, uh, a throwaway story, an EU story that, you know, doesn't really have anything to do with the movies. You know, so I think I think to have something that connects with the movies, that's one giant arcing continuity. Then I think I think that's a good idea. Yeah, I mean, you said it just that's what sets it apart from, like you said, those other stories. It had meaning and it just adds so much more to the movie storyline. So yeah, that's what I love about it, and I think we could do great things with that with Batman too, especially with the Ben Affleck Batman movies that they're setting up now, because we know he's been Batman for a long time. And so what if they decided to put out a comic line where we see the beginnings of that? I mean, this new Batman number one tells the origin story of that. And then we get an animated series based on that and maybe a video game based on that. I think that'd be so cool. But here's the thing. If you were DC, would you do some extremely like, (laughs) like change the, status of your batman comics line to the extreme where you do another reboot thing where the main batman title goes back to number one and that's going to be the main batman title that ties in with everything or do you want to keep both kind of have the separate movie continuity line but still have the 
you know, like just the regular DC comic storyline continuing with the numbered issues we have now. Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, if you're doing another reboot, you're shooting yourself in the foot again. All over again. Yes. So, um, See, this idea might have been better before the New 52 started. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I really don't know how they would do that. But, but what I'm more concerned about is the the balance of um you know what's in the comics what's in the movies because you have i mean it's kind of a different situation but you have something like the matrix trilogy right where the first movie is like okay i get the story this is going good and then you have the second and the third movie where you don't know what's going on you know like third movie is kind of like let's sit around and talk you know let's talk (laughs) about our feelings Let's not do that cool action stuff we did in the first two. Let's just sit down and talk about our feelings. But what you don't know is that you got to watch all these other things. You got to read the comic books. You got to play the video games, which you're not really going to do, you know. And that's where the bulk of that Matrix story is. It's not so much in the movies, the three movies, as much as it is in this other stuff, like that animated movie that they did, uh, you know, the like I said, the comic books yeah. and the video games. So, you know, not everybody's going to really do that. So, yeah, that's a good it, point. It, it's, yeah, it's all about the balancing where you can't have Batman v Superman where, you know, they tell the story and then in the comics they continue that story until, or the comics and the video games or whatever continue that story until the, the Batman movie, you know? Yeah. And then, you know, people seeing that Batman movie are going to be like, what? I mean, I I saw Batman v Superman, and this has nothing to do with... I mean, where's the connection there, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it has to be something where it adds to the movie-going experience, not required knowledge that you need going into the movie experience. That's a good point, and that's where I think yeah. if they were ever were to do something like that, they need to have something that Lucasfilm has, which is the story group which they go through everything, they make sure everything lines up in place in the canon, and like it's not something that's required reading, but it still fits into it, and maybe just adds a little something extra to the diehard fans. That would be something like DC and Warner Brothers would need to have, but it's one of those things where DC could probably do it amongst themselves, DC Comics, but with Warner Brothers and the movies, it seems like they're just too big of a movie studio production to maybe... I mean, I'm sure they have the resources to do it to develop just have like their own specific story group for Batman or just the DC characters in general. That's what it would take yeah. though. Just have like a one singular story group to make sure everything's lining up okay and not it's the certain story elements are being too extreme where you have to read it to get this point from the movie. So yeah, if they were to right. do that, they'd have to take a page from Lucasfilm and establish <laughs> that story group. I think that's one of the best ideas they've had was, since Kathleen Kennedy took over and they established that story group. Yeah, because you got to remember... And I'm sure there's people that have listened to this podcast that are just fans of the movies, which is fine, mm-hmm. you know, and, and they're not necessarily going to be going back and reading, you know, No Man's Land or, you know, something like that or Nightfall or something like that, you know, exactly. they're not necessar- necessarily going to be doing that. So they're not going to be going on and getting the comics or the video games or whatever. They're, they're just going to go to the movies and watch the movie, you know? Yeah. So, and like I said before where that's kind of what makes Batman great and even though I said I'd kind of like to see them try this to see how it goes but Batman, there's so many different versions of Batman's 
different types of fans can enjoy, like movies, animated series, just the comics, or even just video game fans liking the Arkham games and not getting like heavily into like the comics or whatnot. So that's part of what makes Batman great, whereas you can have these different things where you don't have to be tied down to continuity stuff. So like I said, there's pros and cons to, I think, both arguments, but I would just like to see him try. And another thing I wanted to bring up, um, actually Mark brought this to my attention on Twitter. He sent me a link to... I believe it was Bleeding Cool that was kind of reporting that DC is having some financial trouble right now where they may be losing about $2 million and they're kind of attributing it to the move from New York to California and the Convergence storyline not doing very well and just financially they're not doing good right now. They might have to switch things up again because I heard also in that report from Bleeding Cool was that um, the DCU initiative really isn't going over well. I don't think sales have been what they expected to be, like I said, due to disappointment with Convergence. And it sounds like, too, in that article where they were, DC's really banking on Dark Knight, uh, Dark Knight Returns number three to be like a mega blockbuster success to hopefully <laughs> turn Uh-oh. things around for them. So it seems like they need something, they need to do something again to help boost their sales up. And like you said, it's probably too soon for another reboot because we kind of just had a semi one with Convergence, not as big as the New 52, but part of me is thinking that that might be a good time maybe to establish, maybe not a reboot, but just a new line dedicated to like one single canon with all different type of media with the movies, games, and all that stuff. So maybe this could be an option that they should look into. Just not wipe yeah. out what's going on, but maybe it'll be too expensive to create like another line of stories in the comics that connects with everything. But if they're having financial trouble and they're looking to shake things up, I think this could be a good way to do it. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, you do have a point in the sense that uh, Batman v Superman is going to be a big movie. right? I mean, it's not going to be a little movie. It's going to be on the... Uh, you know, the, the Star Wars type level, right? Mm-hmm. Well, maybe not that level, but just a tad of these. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, it would be the perfect jumping on point, you know, where they just say, you know, let's just, let's just make one solid continuity and line it up with the movie so that maybe we can jump on the bandwagon and get these people to read our comics. Because... I think that's one of the problems with comics is that there's there's so much of it. You know, there's... I mean, just look at how many Batman titles we have. Yeah. And, you know, not everybody's going to read that. You know, not everybody's going to read Batman Eternal, right? Yeah, I mean, just for me personally, I'm a... I've already dropped off some titles. I mean, part of it's financial reasons, but at the same time, too, I'm just, I haven't been invested with a lot of those books and stories going on right now. Because, you know, how disappointed I was with Batman Eternal. I'm not ready to do another weekly story that might just be average like the first Batman Eternal was. So, yeah. So, it's just something that what they're doing right now, where it's just for me personally, I'm just not as excited as I used to be. So, I want them to do something to get me back excited to the stories that they're telling again. And I think it, I think it um, partially has to do with convergence mm-hmm. and how that was kind of a failure, in the sense that I don't know, I, I just didn't have that same burning desire to read the books as I did, yeah. you know, for. I mean, on a smaller scale, the Court of Owls or something. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Even this new Batman story. I mean, there's good stuff in it, but. It's not like, oh, I can't wait for this next issue like Snyder's previous work. And it's even some of the other 
New 52 title. So, yeah, this, it's time to do something again. I mean, they just did, but it's not working. So uh, <laughs> it's such a weird situation for DC right now. Yeah, and, it's it's like I said, they kind of they kind of shot themselves in the foot this time <laughs> with this reboot. Yeah, and the the new fifty two and conversions. Yeah, Mark brought out a good point on Twitter too, where you know Marvel's doing really good right now because they have a big movie franchise that they could do for their comics story, which is helping big time with their sales, like Star Wars. And he was mentioning too that maybe they should do something like that, where Warner Brothers and Time Warner they have the license for Lord of the Rings. Maybe like they could do something kind of similar with Star Wars with that, but I think with the Tolkien estate, it'd be kind of hard to work something out with comics because I know they're real picky so I don't think they'd go for that but that's yeah. why I think they had their own movies coming out in the DC universe so if they did stuff to tie in exactly with that maybe that can be kind of like their Star Wars line of comics that Marvel has just something that you know a lot of people are going to see and hopefully really like and be excited for it but then they have the comics they can go to to see more stories of those specific characters yeah right and I think you're talking about like bringing in a franchise as in like like a franchise that Warner Brothers owns. Mm-hmm. So like Harry Potter, right? Yeah, that's another because, one. Because, I mean, there's tons of rabid fans for Harry Potter. How come there's, there hasn't been a Harry Potter comic book? Yeah, that, that's another thing. I wonder if it's like the Tolkien situation where the author for those books... Uh, would be kind of picky with how those stories are told too. So it's kind of a little different where Marvel or Disney owns Marvel and Lucasfilm, so they kind of have to <laughs> work together with that. So. Oh yeah, I guess so. That's why I think their own superheroes is a perfect way to do that. But uh, I mean, just make a Plastic Man movie. Everybody's gonna <laughs> see it. <laughs> that could be the first test character run on that Plastic Man games, TV shows, comics, <laughs> and then eventually the movie. There you go. <laughs> but yeah I, thought, I, don't know, I just thought that would be an interesting discussion and just debate to have like the pros or cons if that would really work so but like i said i think it'd be something cool if they were to try it i don't think they will though <laughs> but just how we're talking about what their financial status right now maybe the, how they're looking for something to boost up sales and interest that might be a good way to go just saying <laughs> so if you're listening to dc you can thank me later if it all works out <laughs> <laughs> all right well um Anyway, uh, I guess we move on to our our new subjects, and man, it's gonna be a depressed mood. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say it's not gonna be good news. Yeah, um, well, let's start off with a positive then. Okay. Um, the Tumblr is coming to Arkham Knight, Tim. Your yeah. favorite, right? <laughs> your hey, favorite Batmobile in the history of Batmobiles, right? Well, I'm playing my favorite Batmobile in the history of Batmobiles right now in Arkham Knight <laughs> with the 1989 DLC, but. The Tumblr is going to be a welcome addition into the, I guess, the Batcave garage to pick a Batmobile when you're riding through the streets of Arkham City or Arkham Knight. But yeah, we did. It was a little tease that it was a trailer for the 1989 DLC skin, but at the very end, it's like coming soon, and then you see the Tumblr, and it looked really cool. But that uh, didn't get quite as excited as I did for the 1989 Batmobile because the normal Batmobile in Arkham Knight is kind of similar to the Tumblr in a little bit. Not exactly, but there are some similarities. So, But when you got the 89 Batmobile, I mean, it's totally different. And I got to say, I just love driving around and just being in the classic 1989 Batman costume. Yeah. It's so cool. The only thing is, I'm still working in trying to get all the Riddler trophies. 
And when you drive the 89 Batmobile, it doesn't have the battle mode, so you can't fire any weapons. And you need some <laughs> to like blast doors to get trophies right. and all that stuff. So I can't use it as much as I want right now because I'm still looking for those trophies. But sometimes I just, for the heck of it, just pick it and just drive around the streets of Gotham because <laughs> this looks so awesome. That's all you do is you just pick up Batman uh, 89 Batmobile and you just drive around Gotham. Yeah, sometimes I just get Batman like in the perfect pose and try to take screenshots of him on the Batmobile. This looks awesome. You nerd too. I know. <laughs> I guess since we're talking to Arkham Knight, give a little update on like some of my impression on the side missions and like the DLC stuff. Have you done much of those like Riddler trophies and just all the side missions? Did you complete all of them? No, I haven't. I I really haven't been playing Arkham Knight once I beat it. Okay. Or or at least that first uh that first ending. Okay, gotcha. So, do you mind if there's certain stuff I spoil with the side quest? No. Okay. No, not at all. One of one of my favorite ones was you know the murders that were you would see like those bodies just like hanging over on different places yeah. in Gotham City. Did you finish that one at all? No, no, I okay. didn't. So the I first... only finished the uh, Redler racing stuff. Okay. So uh, I was wondering who was behind all that, and then when you finally get the reveal of who it is and you face off again, well, I thought that was pretty cool. It was actually Professor Pig they put in there. I was like, oh man, <laughs> like I was oh, not expecting to see. Yeah, yeah. They did a good job with him too. It was the crazy, like psychotic Professor Pig that we knew and loved from Grant Morrison's story. To go up against him in the game, I thought was really cool. But one of the most disappointing ones was after you beat the game, and but you still have to take out like the militia bases and the gun turrets that they established over Ar- or Gotham City. But you defeated the Arkham Knight, so he's not in charge in there. So to kind of make the story fit. You still have to take down the militia to complete the side quest. It was revealed that Deathstroke is in charge of it. He comes back and he takes over. And so once you take out all the militia bases and like gun turrets and all that stuff, you fa- I thought, okay, we're going to face off against Deathstroke. That'd be cool. But it turns out just to be another like Batmobile battle tank mission where you have to beat him. What looked like the boss fight you had with Arkham Knight. It was just like that again. I was like, oh, that's a little disappointing. But Deathstroke, you want to have a good hand-to-hand combat fight and we didn't get that in this one it was just through the tanks so that was a little disappointing but the side quests i think for the most part have been really good and i'm right now i'm still getting the riddler trophies like i said i'm about a little over 200 so i'm almost done and then after that i can finally see the full uh nightfall ending (laughs) i saw the middle one but i haven't seen the complete one so i'm almost there then i'll finally get the complete arkham knight experience (laughs) so you still haven't been spoiled on the uh ending nope i've done a good job surprisingly not seen it anywhere so <laughs> thank you everyone for not spoiling that on twitter <laughs> watch i'm gonna get my last trophy and all of a sudden i'm gonna see something like no <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah our uh our next story is pretty pretty sad right tim yeah bum me out um, yeah uh i don't know how to say it tim yeah, I mean, it's just, yeah, the, it sucks to talk about it because yeah. we were talking when we did our episode about uh, Legends of the Night documentary. Oh, yeah. That was yeah, so like, if you saw the Legends of the Night documentary, the, the guy that dressed up as Batman and went around to all the children's hospitals, he's also the guy that got pulled over in, uh, I think, Maryland or something. Um, and there was like police dash cam footage of him mm. getting pulled over. 
uh yeah he unfortunately died when uh this this past week when uh unfortunately is his batmobile or his yeah his batmobile replica 1960s replica which couldn't have been cheap tim oh yeah uh it, it broke down on the freeway and somebody hit him which is just terrible and uh yeah he unfortunately passed away yeah, I mean, it just sucked to hear that. Basically, the way he died, too, like you mentioned, yeah, it was Leonard B. Robinson, of course, is the guy who did all that great charity work. I mean, visiting Children's Hospital as Batman. Like you said, that was one of the highlights of the documentary that we talked about um, a few episodes ago. And just, yeah, just so sad hearing that. I mean, this guy just does great stuff. And then to go out that the way he did, I mean, I, I'm not sure if it was clear or not if he was like doing like one of his hospital visits or not, or if he was just driving the car. Just oh, he was, he was coming back from one. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, <laughs> it just bums you out hearing that. I know. It was apparently like his, uh, the, the passenger side of the 1960s Batmobile was still in the, in the lane of lane of traffic. So yeah, like he was in the fast lane is what it said is when he kind of, where he had to pull. Uh, yeah. But it's unfortunate. I mean, you want to talk about giving back to to people? I mean, the the guy spent twenty five thousand dollars of his own money to to do this thing. So I know, yeah, yeah. it's sad, but at least he has a a heroic legacy, really, that he left behind. It's all the good stuff that he did, so it definitely won't be forgotten. That's for sure, but doesn't make it any less sad. So, but yep. yeah. I almost couldn't even believe it. I mean, I saw that, and I was like, no, it couldn't be the guy from from Legends of the Night. And uh, unfortunately, it was. So. Yeah, it wasn't one of the best texts I got from you. <laughs> I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, and, and in even sad, or not even sadder, in uh, more sad news, Yvonne Craig died. The, the bad girl from uh, the 1960s show. Yeah, I think it was like a day after too. So it was like you got that sad news about Leonard Robinson, and then Yvonne Craig like a day later. So it was yeah. not a good week for the bat as far as like Batman affiliated uh, people passing away. So yeah, I mean Yvonne Craig was probably my first exposure to Batgirl and watching the '66 series. And I mean you can say what you want about the series being too campy or whatever. I think at least the look and feel of Batgirl they had, she nailed pretty much in that series. I mean it's a classic Batgirl look. And yeah. yeah, that was the first time I learned about her being Commissioner Gordon's daughter and all that. And that, one episode I remember that stands out to me. I don't remember the details, but one where her and Robin Batman teamed up against King Tut. <laughs> there was this fight <laughs> sequence that they had where I, I just there's like something about the music where it was a variation on the '66 theme. I think it was a little different. I, like I said, I haven't seen it in a while so long. But the music and like them, the three of them fighting against King Tut and his men always stood out to me. <laughs> it was like. One of as a little kid, like my favorite Batman moment, you've seen all three heroes taking out the the villains and the music so awesome. But yeah, <laughs> but yeah, and, and was she the one in that? I don't know if you saw it, but she was dressed up as Batman and she uh or, or Batgirl and she did a PSA for like women's equal, workplace equality. No, that doesn't sound something? familiar, but. Uh-huh. Maybe. Oh, my <laughs> but anyway, um, 
Yeah, she unfortunately passed away uh, from breast cancer. She was uh, 78 years old, which is... At least she lived to to be an older person, right? Yeah. Didn't die young. <laughs> yeah, didn't die young. She was also on Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, she was a, one of those green alien dancers. <laughs> yeah. Which, of course, Jim Kirk had to make out with at some point in the oh, episode. Of course, of course. <laughs> I wonder if that was in Shatner's uh, contract where he had to kiss the the good looking girl. Yeah, every new like female guest star, <laughs> make sure you get to kiss them there. That's what she tells stories where it's like uh, bag on where she bags on Shatner. Yeah, I know they didn't have the, they weren't on the best of terms. I know. Which, no. <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, uh, that's that's it for our news, and uh, I guess we can get into our conversation with Alex slash listener feedback, and hopefully Alex will cheer us up. Do you think Alex will cheer us up too? Uh, no doubt. Oh, Alex yeah. always sends in good emails that'll make us laugh and ponder. I'm sure with hard, tough questions <laughs> <laughs> that we're totally unprepared for. <laughs> of course. <laughs> Actually, I think this one I will be though. All right, so. Uh, did did you want to read his email, or you want me to? Uh, sure, I can read it. Okay. It says, hey, Bat Fellows, thanks again for another great episode. I was happy to hear Josh Paul again. I love the superhero themes you all brought up. I didn't even think of the Clayface theme. My DVD with the Clayface episode through a scratch when I bought them, so I don't remember the music for that episode. I'm sure it was fantastic, since the music was always great in Batman the Animated Series. I'm sure even the terrible trio and I've got Batman in my basement had great music. Well, I've got Batman in my basement had the Penguins theme, which I always like too. So yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> uh, he says, it's really tough to pick a top five. I think I'll go with the Batman Beyond opening theme, Rise and Bane's theme from The Dark Knight Rises, the Master of the Phantasm opening, and the Last Laugh theme. Yeah, that's I totally good- forgot about the, the Mask of the Phantasm opening. That one actually, I, I think it's a good call on the last laugh. I love that theme. Mm. It's, it's like it's the theme that has that drum beat in there. It's almost has a rock beat too. It's like it's like kind of threw me off a little bit the first time I saw it from other episodes because we're just used to the orchestral classical music stuff. Then this one had like a drum beat that goes with it. So good call on that one, Alex. And he goes on to say, as for trading Batman for the X-Men, the Avengers, a hero to be named later in cash, it all depends on whether that hero to be named later is Spider-Man. Spider-Man has had plenty of TV shows, movies, and video games in the past years, so that would probably do. Okay, maybe that's a little greedy. They can't have Toad back. (laughs) Oh, and Josh Paul, of course Batman works in the Marvel Universe. He doesn't even need the DC Universe. I'm kidding, (laughs) but I actually have read Batman crossovers with Spider-Man, Punisher, Captain America, and Daredevil. They seem pretty natural. If he can fight alongside a guy that can bench press the planet 20 times over, I think the writers can make it work. Yeah, but you, you see that that whole uh, player to be named later uh, being Spider-Man is you just can't give away Spider-Man in a deal like that. Yes, Spider-Man has to, has to be the deal. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so I don't know. I I, I think we just got to think about it more. It's one of those complex trades where it's going to take a while before yeah, you it's going to take like five other franchises. Yeah, <laughs> we'll have to get in uh, Image Comics in there somehow too. <laughs> then he goes on to say, "Oh, and thanks for comparing True Detective season two to Star Wars politics because it made the wait so much harder to watch that show now. 
I'm kidding with you, Dane. You guys both mentioned that you haven't had the greatest of weeks, so I hope they're going better. Well, thanks, Alex. Appreciate your concern. Yes, it, it, yes, it is because you know we're doing this podcast now, and uh, we got an awesome email from you, so things are looking up, right, Tim? Yes. <laughs> and so now it's time for our favorite part of Alex's email: the questions. And he has the good ones on this one. Um, what are your favorite Joker quotes? He says, the madness quote from The Killing Joke is my absolute favorite. But that's a lot to write. I'll just write one from The Dark Knight because there's so many. And his quote is, you know what I've noticed? Nobody panics when things go according to plan, even if the plan is horrifying. If tomorrow I tell the press like a gangbanger will get shot or a truckload of soldiers will be blown up, nobody panics because it's all part of the plan. But when I say one little old mayor will die... Then everyone loses their minds. <laughs> I know it probably wasn't the greatest Heath Ledger impression, but <laughs> I did what I could. <laughs> so, yeah, that's a great question, though, as far as our favorite Joker quotes. And after thinking about it, one of my favorites comes from Batman Beyond Return of the Joker. It was in the flashback sequence where Joker reveals to Batman that he knows who he is. It's just how he says it, too, that makes it look so chilling. Where he goes, like, the, the boy shared such secrets with me, secrets that are mine alone to know. Bruce, and then he's all like, "Yes, it's true." Like and then the line that gets me, where he says, "Like, um, like behind the mask and all the batterings, like you're just a little boy in a playsuit crying for mommy and daddy." It almost be funny if it wasn't so pathetic. And then he's all, "Yeah, what the heck? I'll laugh anyway." But <laughs> the fact that he's taunting Batman, knowing who he is and why he's doing it. I mean, what's so important to Batman? The, like avenging his parents death and keeping that promise and joker is just laughing in his face about that as you would expect him to do so that line always stood out to me as one of the best and then also too i'll throw in one from the dark knight that just got me like had me geeking out as a fanboy when i first saw it in the interrogation room where batman just punching the joker and joker just laughing like you have nothing to threaten me with <laughs> that that's like so joker like as much as because we know batman's physically and with his training he can take the joker down but just on like that philosophical and like mental like battles they have like joker can match him with that too because he had him in that moment having rachel and harvey both captured and and he knows batman's not going to kill him that's why he just said you have nothing to threaten me with so those two are some of my favorite joker lines but i'm going to give the nod to return of the joker yeah for me it's not really quotes but um I don't know, for some reason, that scene in The Dark Knight when, when you know, um, uh, Joker has released Harvey Dent and uh, he's going to blow up the hospital and he keeps on pressing the, the trigger uh. and it, it doesn't go off and then like, it finally goes off and then Heath Ledger jumps. I don't know, that gets me every time. It makes me laugh. Like, it's, like, like, like was, was he supposed to jump there or did he actually get scared or did, did he actually jump? I, you know. I think that was all like, was all like that was his like the trigger which was supposed to go off, but it wasn't working, so he was kind of going all off on his own yeah. during that sequence, and they just kept it in there, which is cool. Yeah, yeah, it makes me like giggle every time I see that. Yeah, um, <laughs> it's funny. But my second one is, uh, again, it's not really a quote, but how can you beat Mark Hamill's scene in Arkham Knight? <laughs> you can't beat that. You know, that, that show tune or whatever he's singing. Yeah, <laughs> that was pretty good. I actually thought you were going to go with, like, the final sequence in his fight with Batman, but that show tune's one where he's singing. That was yeah. pretty great, too. <laughs> Unexpected. Yeah. Unexpected. <laughs> the Joker singing by Mark Hamill? I mean, come on, yeah. how awesome is that? How can you go wrong? 
So yeah, great question, Alex. Uh, his second one is, I know you guys are really looking forward to Star Wars, but is there any other franchise or movie that you're looking forward to before the year closes? I'm looking forward to seeing the Creed movie. Take care, Alex. Actually, Alex, um, I was just talking about this not too long ago, but I think I'm done with movies for the year up until Star Wars. I mean, wow. not just in general, I don't go to the movies a lot. They're just mainly the comic book movies and the genre movies that come out during the summer, the ones I see. But yeah, I, the last one I saw was, I think, Ant-Man in July. And then after that, it's like, okay, bring on Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's all I'm looking forward to. December 18th, that's probably the next time I'll be in a movie theater seat. So you're telling me, Tim, that you weren't rushing out to the theater to go to see uh, Hitman Agent 47? <laughs> no. <laughs> Actually, well, I will say Ant-Man was the last like major movie release that I saw, but I did see a special night screening of the Dragon Ball Z Resurrection F, which was really cool. So that was technically <laughs> did, the last theater I was in. <laughs> of course you did. Oh, it was awesome seeing DBC so, on the big screen. Yeah, apparently it was really good, right? Yeah, I liked it a lot. It did really good financially too, just for having like one screenings a day for, this, yeah. for like a weekend. Yeah, it cleaned up. <laughs> I guess, but um, for me, hmm. I guess the only thing I can really think of is the the new James Bond movie. I'm not really a James Bond okay. fan, but uh, I like Skyfall and the uh, the first one that Daniel Craig did. Okay. I can't, remember, I can't remember the name of that one. Casino Royale. Oh, Casino Royale, yeah. I like those, so um, I guess Spectre. Yeah, that's that the thing. I know, I'm just speaking for myself, where I'm like, I'm done with the movies, but I know there's tons of other great movies that people are excited for to see, like James Bond. I know that's going to be a big one up until yeah. Star Wars. And then I think the last Hunger Games movie comes out, too, in November. Yeah. So I'm sure those will be, too, like the two biggest ones before Star Wars comes out. Yeah, I guess the Hunger Games movies like i i tried to watch the first one mm. but i think it's one of those things where you need to read the books so i'm not gonna read the book <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah th- thank you alex for email we always enjoy reading them right too uh, of course you know ben just just remember tim and dane love you uh, but but now we can move on to Mark's email. It's a it's a short email. He says, uh, "Hey Dan and Tim, really enjoyed the last podcast, and I'll go listen to the Batman Forever soundtrack, <laughs> which has these amazing '90s songs." Yeah, he sent the track listing in the email, yeah. and I forgot about. It. I actually had the soundtrack, but I don't know where it's at now. <laughs> but I, I think my favorites from it were. The U2 song, Hold Me, Thrill Me, Kiss Me, Kill Me, and then the Offspring song, Smash It Up. I forgot about that one, but I really like that one, too. <laughs> uh, Method Man was on the soundtrack? <laughs> yeah, apparently. I think it's, it's called The Riddler. I'm not sure if that was a song they played during a sequence where maybe Nigma was first becoming the Riddler, and he sees that Riddler suit in his, yeah. his apartment or whatnot. I, I would imagine that would be the time to play it. But What was the Nick Cave song? The what? The Nick Cave oh. song. Uh, so this is a bad combination where it's a soundtrack I haven't heard in a long time and a movie I haven't seen <laughs> yeah. even longer with sound because the last time I saw it was when we did that old commentary for it. <laughs> so, yeah, certain things aren't matching up and coming to mind with these song placements except for the ones, the U2 one, Kiss from a Rose, and then this uh, Offspring song. 
You mean you don't tell me you don't remember Where Are You Now by Brandy? <laughs> no, I don't. Uh, me neither. <laughs> well, Sunny Day Real Estate, though, they're an okay band because at least during... I'm not sure how old that song is. The number is called eight, but the yeah. drummer and the bass player went to join Foo Fighters when they first formed in '95. Yeah, yeah, that's what I. They're they're drummer, really. Yeah, well, he quit like after the first album because. Yeah, but their bassist is still in there, yep. right? Yeah. The only original member still there. Is his name like Nate? Nate Mendel. Yeah, Nate Mendel. Um. But anyway, uh. Mark goes on to say, that's some 90s greatness. <laughs> I'm going to keep this email nice and short. I sent Tim to the link of a certain article about DC losing 2 million bucks. I think this is due to the move from New York to Burbank, California. Secondly, the convergence event was bad and that probably had an impact. I'm hearing such things as DC austerity, shorter page, page count, and more ads return to DC gritty, DC's gritty universe. Well, I'd like to hear your thoughts on this, and have a great week. Go Cubs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we pretty much said, or my feelings are on the feature topic about how I like to see him try to rebound for that. So, but thanks for sharing that link again, Mark. Though, because definitely kind of, if all that's accurate, where they are losing trouble, like, yeah, they really need to do something to shake things up. But as far as the Cubbies go, I'm, I'm rooting for them to, I actually. It kind of sucks because the three best teams in baseball are all in the NL Central. So you got the Pirates and the Cardinals. The Cardinals are in first. Pirates are in second. I think they're three and a half games out as we're recording this on August 29th. So they can maybe gain ground and take first place. But the two of the best teams are going to face off in the wild card game. And one of them is going to be knocked off. So that's kind of one of those weird scenarios where the three best teams, they won't be facing off against each other in like the division series or the NLCS. But I, if it's Cubs and Pirates, it's going to be a tough one to, for me to have a team to particularly root for because I like both clubs. But at the same time, I'd like to see the Cubs finally win a World Series. So <laughs> I'll probably be rooting for them. So but they have a, they're doing like way above expectations, I think. Everyone expected them to be better with their young talent that they had. But to be... The, this good i mean they're at like 20 games over 500 right now so yeah i'm pulling them for them too mark so hopefully they can go all the way to the world series but if they face off against the yankees oh boy <laughs> the yeah. yankee fan of me is going to win out but i probably won't be too disappointed that the cubs win the championship against the yankees because come on how can you not root for a team who hasn't won since 1908 <laughs> <laughs> yeah and how how is Wrigley Field in such good condition? Like like the, the the ballpark in general. I mean, you look at the the Coliseum and the Coliseum is a dump. Yes. <laughs> and Wrigley is older than Yeah, they just did a yeah. like renovations on Wrigley this year. I mean, even in the beginning of the seasons, the I think the left field bleachers weren't done so fans couldn't sit there, but yeah. everything's completed now and yeah, Wrigley cannot close down the cubs cannot get a new ballpark they cannot move they have to stay there that and fenway park those 
to baseball stadiums. They have to stay because they're just classic. And they just want to be the same without it. I used to have Yankee Stadium out there, but no. Yeah. They tore that one down and got a new stadium. So. Yeah, they didn't even need one. I know. They didn't even need a new stadium. Just <laughs> renovate it and like update it, make yeah. it more modern. Don't knock it down because that's so much history there. That always bugged me. It still does. But yeah, Wrigley and Fenway, they have to stay. And it's the same thing with uh, Fenway. How is Fenway in such good condition? You never hear of, you know, uh, rodents or, you know, flooding or <laughs> plumbing issues or the stadium just generally breaking down. I know. <laughs> you know? I heard the clubhouses aren't that great still, but I guess... They got to be better than the, the Coliseums. Right? <laughs> yeah, I think their plumbing and toilets all work. <laughs> So that alone makes it better. Maybe it's because the Coliseum also hosts uh, the Oakland Raiders. So yeah, that's what I hate when, like, during September baseball when football starts, Oakland, you see like the football like lines <laughs> for the yard yeah, lines that yeah. are all on the field. Like, uh, that doesn't look good at all. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't get it. It's like that's the only stadium in America that shares its field. Yeah, it's uh, yeah because the Marlins used to, but they got their new stadium and yep, they didn't even <laughs> need one. And they got one. <laughs> yeah, I think they did. Their stadium was ugly too, and yeah, being shared by the Bubba Dolphins. But yeah, Oakland needs it the most. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, we can't move to San Jose because the Giants own it. I know it's so, such a mess. Like all the legal stuff they have to do just to get it approved for them to like. Start I, the I would say Oakland and Tampa have the worst stadiums. Oakland, Oakland and Tampa. There's like two plays this week alone where yeah. two balls would have been home runs in Tampa, but it hit the catwalk on there. So depending oh, on which oh. catwalk you hear, you hit, it could be a home run, it can be a double. It just it's a mess. Do the do the Astros still play in the Astrodome? No, they play in Minute Maid Park. I'm yeah, that's what I thought because the Astrodome was a terrible park. Yeah, but that doesn't look nice when you watch old video clips from them. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like dim and. I don't know. <laughs> I don't like any field with turf. It's like the real hard turf. That's yeah, yeah. Not good. And it's not good for players either. Nope, especially older players. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, that's it for for our listener feedback. Um. I know Tim. Oh, first off, Mark, we love you, man. Keep sending the emails. Um. But I know Tim. You wanted to bring some stuff up. Yep, we got some more feedback. That's different from the email so which is nice um we got a comment on our last episode episode 91 on the diamond universe website from a poster named just says guy so i'll just refer to you as guy <laughs> guys greg capullo is awesome chris berman too i just had to say my piece about that but here's a question if you had the chance to write a batman story what would your story be about it's hard to think of something that hasn't already been done really enjoyed the podcast and thanks for talking about it you're welcome guy and thanks for listening it was great to hear from you too so it's a great question and this is actually something i thought about just during my, almost my whole life as a batman fan what would be a great story that i'd want to see that hasn't been done yet and one that's come to mind where maybe it has been done i don't know because like you said it's after 75 years it's hard not for writers to do almost everything but as far as me not reading about it or knowing of it here's what i'd like to see I'd like to see a story where, for some reason, it would have to involve time travel and all that stuff, but I would like for Batman to go back in time and have 
the option and choice to prevent his parents' murder. Like, he'd have to be faced with that tough decision. I mean, the thrust of it would be, would he stop Joe Chill, or if it's still an unnamed mugger, depending on what continuity you're basing it off of, would he stop his parents' killer knowing that that he could save the lives of the two people he loves most and have his... See, that's another time paradox. Would he just be changing his like own future or would he just be changing, creating a paradox in a parallel universe where his situation would have changed, but there would be a, a universe out there where Bruce, his parents were saved and they can live a normal life. So not sure what direction it would go, but just for the fact, would he actually do it? Would he stop his parents from being killed? I mean, you would think, yeah, of course he would. I mean, this is what he's doing this for. But at the same time, I think it'd be make a great point where it caused a dilemma for him because even though his parents died, him becoming Batman has saved so many lives. And just within the Bat family with Dick Grayson, Tim Drake, and Barbara, Jason Todd. Well, of course, Jason Todd didn't have the best of outcomes, but those lives would have been greatly different and maybe for the worse, especially in Dick Grayson's. He, his parents probably still would have been killed. He would have been, who knows what his outcome would have been going from foster home to foster home, getting caught up in crime. I mean, who knows what his outcome would have been. So just that aspect, Bruce would have to decide, okay, do I have to go, do I have to kind of be selfish and save my parents and forget about everyone else? Or I kind of, my, if I were writing it, I would make it where, he doesn't go through with it. He knows for the greater good, and just even beyond the bad family, the other normal people's lives that he saved, being part of the Justice League and saving the world and all that stuff. He knows that even though the two people he loves most still have to die in order for him to for the world to be a better place. I think it was him as Batman. He would come to that realization. But I just think it'd be make for a great moment where he's actually watching that happen again and just being like, oh, like. Like no, I can't let this happen, but yet I have to, and maybe just have it end where little Bruce sees Batman, and like they just kind of have a look at each other. That I don't know. I think it would make for a great ending where they both come into contact with each other. Bruce, little Bruce, sees Bruce as Batman, and they just kind of don't say anything, but they either do a nod or they just stare at each other, kind of not knowing what <laughs> like little Bruce knowing who that Batman is, but they know there's a kindred spirit in there, of course, because it's him, but something to that effect. So, yeah, just in a storyline where Bruce would have to be faced with that tough decision. Do If I had the opportunity to save my parents, would I actually do it? So that would be a story I'd like to see. And like I said, who knows, maybe there is one out there that I'm not aware of that tells something like that, but that'd be something I'd like to see down the line, whether it's in comic form, animated form. I don't think it would be a movie storyline like that, but... <laughs> Yeah, somewhere down the line, I'd like to see some where Batman is faced with that ultimate decision. So, I don't know, Dane, how about you? Um, for me, hmm. it's a tough question. I know. Yeah, I know. It's, it's really hard to think about. But um, I was fortunate because, like I said, this is something I thought about for a while, even way before yeah. we even started podcasting about it. So, I had it in the back of my head. You know, here's what I would do it, it would probably be in Detective Comics. And would have little to do with Batman. Because I was thinking about this recently. That Batman can't. You know. They can't. He, he can't take on everything. Every single crime. In Gotham. At the same time. Mm-hmm. You know. He's going after Joker. He's going after. You know. Harvey Dent. He's going after Two-Face. He's going after. You know. Whoever. Penguin. 
you know, he, he can't look at the basic murder, right? Mm-hmm. Unless it's tied to Zaz or whoever, right? So I was thinking about the GCPD. There has to be, like, homicide detectives, right? And this is probably because I was watching True Detective. But, like, I was thinking maybe, like, a story without Batman, but but with these these, uh, GCPD homicide detectives where they're going after a serial killer. And Batman has nothing to do with the story because he's too busy going after Penguin or whoever, right? I mean, th- there has to be a story in there where Batman just can't get to it because, you know, he's too busy. It's kind of like, I don't know, Brian May from Queen. You know, he was a big rock star. He couldn't be astrophysicist. He couldn't get a doctorate in astrophysics, right? So when Queen broke up, then he became the astrophysics physicist. He had a doctorate in astrophysics, right? So I was thinking, you know, maybe like, the GCPD going after a homicide, I mean, a, a serial killer or something, you know? It, would you have it be somewhere? They're kind of like saying, like, oh, Batman couldn't get to this. Like, where's Batman? <laughs> like, kind of questioning, yeah. like, welcome Batman and stop this and all yeah, that. Yeah, and like, maybe like, maybe like a character saying something like, oh, well, Batman only, you know, he only goes after the big ones. Yeah, okay. <laughs> something. And, and this is, you know, kind of not the stuff that Batman deals with in the sense that there's a serial killer and there's almost no clues to find this guy. Yeah, I thought yeah. Yeah, that'd be a good one. Yeah, because, I mean, I, I just figure that Batman is too busy dealing with all these supervillains and, you know, it, it's it's up to the GCPD to really go after this serial killer, or it doesn't even have to be a serial killing. It could be just like a uh, a bank robbery or something, mm-hmm. bank robbers or something. You know? Yeah, the, the cases Batman can't get to. Yeah, because he can't get it get to everything. So, you know, you need these, and, and that's kind of a great injustice, you know, with uh, the GCPD because besides Gordon, they really don't do anything. They're just kind of there. Yeah. to be corrupt and that's not really how police are in real life you know yeah yeah it'd be nice to see more like other than bullock montoya other yeah bullock montoya <laughs> gordon uh trying to do good in the fight against the war on crime and gotham but how st- much of a struggle it could be yeah and, and it doesn't have to be a serial killing it could be a bank robbery you know uh somebody importing drugs or you know something like that yeah, I, I get you. And I was kind of a little disappointed with uh, Jason Bard and Batman Eternal because he was kind of like a, a new cop who was out for, to doing good, but in the end yeah. he ends up being one of the bad guys, which was something I didn't like about that. So. Yeah, you see, and I think that, you know, in that sense, GCPD gets a bad name. I mean, I know they're not a real police department, but, you know, there's cops and, you know, they do their job. There's detectives and they do their job and, you know... They solve crimes and they keep us safe. So, how, how come in Gotham they're so corrupt? Like every <laughs> every cop, every detective in Gotham is like, oh, okay, so I know he's corrupt. He's giving information to the bad guys. So, 
Batman's going to beat him up. No. Yeah. <laughs> it's one of Gotham City's charms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you got you to gotta understand, there's more than three uncorruptible police officers in this world, so... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so let's get a story focusing on them. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it, w- was there anything else, then? No, that was it from Guy. So thanks again for posting a comment on the site, Guy. We appreciate hearing your feedback on it and glad you're enjoying the show. So thanks for yes. letting us know. Yes, but definitely. also, too, I posted on Twitter and Facebook an image of someone photoshopped an image of Ben Affleck's Batman costume with longer ears on there. And, you know, that was when the costume first got announced. That was one of my nitpicks about it. Like, I think the ears are a little too small. I like Batman with a little longer ears. So when I saw this image, I was like, oh, that actually looks really cool. And I kind of like how the cow looked with those ears. So I tweeted that image out and I posted it on Facebook. I got a few responses. And we got one from at Android 311. Great name, of course. <laughs> he says he looks better with the longer ears. And then saying that also looks straight out of the comic book. And then Mike responded saying the long ears look sweet, traditional comic style, like the Arkham look. Maybe this may bring this look, or maybe they bring in this look and later on in films. But then Corbin says, nope, the long ears only work when Batman is skinnier. It <laughs> wouldn't look right if we could see the whole picture. And as much as I like that image, he is right, though. I mean, knowing how bulked up Affleck looks, it maybe it wouldn't look quite right. So that's a fair point on there. And then uh, Josh Paul says, uh, talking about, I think it depends on the writer and artist. So if they were to do a hush adaption, long ears would be strange. So that, yeah, I can see that too, where Jim Lee's Batman so affiliated with those smaller ears, which I think along with Frank Miller's Dark Knight look, that's kind of what they're going for for this Ben Affleck version of Batman. So, and then we got one response on Facebook that I got to bring up. I thought I had it said, but I didn't. But um, you're unprofessional, Tim. I know. I'm sorry. You're so unprofessional. You're embarrassing us. <laughs> Forgive me. But uh, we got a comment from Eric Ryan Clark who said, "I think it looks pretty goofy with long ears." So it was kind of a mixed bag. We got a few responses that are for it. Some that thinks it looks a little too silly. And where do you stand on it, Dane? I personally think it looks cool, but like Corbin said, probably if you saw the whole picture, maybe it wouldn't look right. So. I don't know. What do you think? I'm going to keep my answer short by saying they tried <laughs> and we got George Clooney. Ah, see, <laughs> I, Keaton's ears, I think, were perfect. I love the length of those. I thought that. Yeah, but those weren't long. Like, those weren't long, though. Well, that's, I, that was kind of the length I got from that image. So mm. I don't know. I didn't do an exact comparison. Maybe they are a little shorter, but if they were to go with the length of Keaton's cowl, like, that's what I'd be happy with. But I was just glad it was, it was kind of cool to see someone just Photoshop that and give us a little idea of how it would look with longer years. And I, I got a kick out of it. I thought it looked cool. So, But thank you guys for responding. It was great to hear your feedback on it and to hear what you thought of it. So even though it was a mixed bag, it was so great to hear from you all. All right, so I guess we can finally move on to our comic book reviews. So if you haven't read your books, like we say at the end of every single comic book review, I think. Tim, except that one, I forgot to. Yeah, except for that one. Uh, there's going to be a lot of spoilers, so if you haven't read your books yet, you might want to come back to this part later because we're going to spoil the crap out of them, right, Tim? Yes, we are. We're going to, like, it, it's, it's going to be like the ending of The Sixth Sense. <laughs> like, everybody knows what it yeah. is, and... Probably before they even saw the movie. Uh, so, 
Uh, for this episode, we're going to do Justice League number 43 and Robin, Son of Batman, number three. So, Tim, our rating scale is going to be times the sixth sense has been spoiled before you even saw the movie. Tim, why don't you tell us about Justice League number 43? Justice League 43, continuing on the Dark Side War part three. So this issue, except for the ending, I thought it was this kind of, it was a sound like an issue that was just leading you up to that moment in the ending where not too much was going on. I mean, it starts out with Steppenwolf recruiting Calabag, Darkseid's son, for the battle that's eventually going to happen with his daughter and the Anti-Monitor. But then we also get more moments of Batman on the Mobius chair. And I think it's really cool having Bruce on there. He looks cool. I love the design of him like being like Metron, but with the Batman cow on there and sitting on the chair. And just his dialogue, too, this looks calm demeanor that batman has just talking i could just picture like a very calm kevin conroy talking in the way he speaks uh, to the other justice member justice league members trying to get information on what's going on and green lantern's trying to like say you know what i can help you too i got my ring i mean i'd be able to access that chair's database Batman's like like the ring's capacities are limited like i can do more on my chair without like needing your ring <laughs> it is like this almost cocky but calmness to batman on the mobius chair i think it's really cool i just love reading it what he has all the lines of dialogue he says when he's on that chair is really fun to read and so then we get uh superman and luthor on apocalypse trying to figure out uh, what their next move is on there but superman realizes that his powers are fading while he's on apocalypse because there's no sun and he's kind of have to rely on luthor for help because this like big mob of dark side slaves starts attacking them and that's where like superman realizes his powers are fading because he's actually bleeding so like luthor has to fly him around on his jetpack and you know superman's not liking that <laughs> relying on luthor so but it turns out that luthor has a plan to give superman his powers back because dark side the apocalypse is full with like fiery pits <laughs> and that has like as much almost radiation as the sun would for superman to get his strength back so Luthor dumps him into there that fire pit, expecting to get his powers back. But Superman comes out as an evil Superman, <laughs> just saying, like, telling Luthor, I should have killed you a long time ago. And his, like, color scheme is all dark now. He has black laser beams coming out of his eyes. His cape's black. He has more of a grayish tone on there. So it's we're getting an evil Superman, it looks like, in this next issue to face off against Luthor. So, but the main thrust of it also was... we've where I liked it, where the ending was going. We're finally about to see a big battle between Darkseid and Apocalypse against the Anti-Monitor and uh, his daughter. And But then the Justice League goes there too as like the third party in this war. So like even because I actually get help from Mr. Miracle, he comes back. He's kind of helps telling him what's going on. And he's saying how he doesn't trust Metron for what he did as far as the whole child exchange between New Genesis and Apocalypse. So... He's about he's going to help them too, and uh, Batman is going off on the the Mobius chair to find more answers uh, from the multiverse. And Green Lantern tries to offer to help, but he's like, Batman says, "No, I can do it alone." And then uh, I think Shazam and uh, Shazam stays with Metron because, like I said, Mister Miracle isn't not trusting him. So the rest of the Justice League they go off to confront Darkseid and the Anti Monitor in this battle. But then it turns out that this might be all part of Metron's plan, him getting off the Mobius chair, because once everyone leaves, um, he says that, like, soon, soon I'll be free. So he probably has a bigger hand in this than he's letting on, because it looks like he's tired of being the one who sits on the Mobius chair. So I mean, he probably has some other schemes planning on this dark side war that's about to go on. So I just love the sequence where 
Uh, you had Darkseid and forces against anti-monitors, forces, and you have the Justice League sitting right there, and Wonder Woman's giving, like, this uh, monologue about how uh, the, this uh, the story of Od- forgetting the Greek character's name, Odysseus, I think it was, maybe I might be wrong, but about how he was torn between... Odysseus? Pro- yeah. About how he was torn between going, like, two parts of the sea where there's, like, a big, like, there's monsters there, and <laughs> it's pretty much like a no-win situation. That's kind of how the predicament they're in now. They're just stuck in the middle against the dark side versus the anti-monitor. And then, at the very end, like, it's going between that and the moment of Superman I was telling you about, and just about the Justice League's about to join in the action is where pretty much the issue ends and we get the final page of Superman coming out saying, like, I'm going to kill you, Lex Luthor. So, like I said, it was cool seeing Batman on the Mobius chair, but a lot of it was just leading up to the moment at the end, which was pretty cool and getting me excited for the next issue. So, Dark Side War is continuing to be a solid story. Definitely one of the better ones going on in DC right now. So, uh, I'm going to go ahead and give this one three and a half out of five times people were spoiled on the Sixth Sense ending before actually seeing it. And then, Robin's Son of Batman, number three. This storyline, I know we didn't actually review the second one, the second issue, and what happened with there was Damien got help from Nobody's Daughter in one of his quests to make up for the sins he did as a member of the League of Assassins and his quest in like the Year of Blood. So um, this one continues that, where he's still continuing his partnership with Nobody's Daughter, and he's just in the next phase of his redemption quest. Uh, trying to bring back this crystal to this uh, group that he kind of sealed the, a mountain cave that they were in and stole the crystal and now he's bringing it back and like going to break the seal to their location. So um, I liked how it ended in the last issue where him and nobody's daughter were going to team up and we kind of knew it was on a rocky relationship because she was out there to kill him for him killing his her dad. So we knew they were going to have a, it was going to be a partnership that wouldn't be uh, a good one. <laughs> They're going to have their arguments. But I, for some reason, I just felt it came a little too strong in this issue because they were talking about how, like, oh, Damien and her don't get along. And she's all like, you're the worst one. And Damien's all, no, like, you're the worst one. Like, your father was rotten. Like, like Batman's my father. I have more honor, that type of thing. I wish I kind of thought they would have gotten out in the previous issue and, like, maybe on their first encounter together instead of it happening now. So I thought that this came on a little too strong, like laying on a little too thick that, yeah, they don't like each other, but they're still going to like work together in the end. And, or maybe they're not. <laughs> but I just felt they put on a little too strong to establish that, yeah, they really don't like each other. But it was a cool fight sequence, though. I like seeing Damien get the better of her in a hand-to-hand combat, even though she was in her cloak mode. I mean, you really can't go up against Damien with the training that he had. So that was a cool action sequence. Then after that, though, the whole thing was uh, Damien's uh, pet man bat, Goliath. He was going out of control because of some sonic vibrations that she shot off. But then Damien used her to her device to calm him down, and that's when they stopped fighting, too. And there was a great moment, too, probably my favorite moment of the issue, where they're just talking with each other. And then she, in one of the hits she got against Damien, she, she knocked out one of his teeth. And then uh, he was saying, uh, like, she was making fun of him for that. And she was like, hey, it's no big deal. It was loose anyway. And then she was all like, don't tell me you still have baby teeth. And he's all this silage. He starts busting out laughing. He's like, just complaining like it's uh, like, <laughs> like you know how Damien is. He doesn't want to hear that. Like how ridiculous right. it is. Humans have to lose their baby teeth. <laughs> it was just a funny moment between them two. And then it finds out that she's actually being in contact with Ducard. Looks like she's kind of playing Damien where he discovers her where 
even though they're working together and she agreed to help him on his quest, that when it's all said and done, she's going to betray him and kill him. And Damien, they kind of go into this debate where like they're both hypocrites because she thinks he is too for killing his father. But then he's all, yeah, we're all hypocrites, but only if you accept it. And they kind of have this, like, like I said, a philosophical conversation where she has to choose on what she's going to do. Is she going to stay with Damien or is she going to kind of like Damien says, be like a real hypocrite and kill him at, the end when even though she's agreed to help him so it turns out that no she's going to stick with damien she tells uh the person she's in contact with with Descartes about no she's quitting and him and damien are going to go off and then it turns out the person she was talking to he got the message saying i quit turns out to be deathstroke as (laughs) we see him shooting someone from like a sniper position across the building and he just says the line nobody likes a quitter so deathstroke's going to be involved in the story come down the line which should be pretty fun i guess and then there was also the sequence was kind of, I think it's uh, bringing the home the point. I wasn't sure if it was a flashback or not, but it looks like Talia has been brought to life. There was this hooded, cloaked character, like figure, having her body like in looks like a, a Lazarus pit, but it was like coloring on it was all white, so really couldn't make it out. But it was a Lazarus pit, and he had these colored orbs that he was putting in there with her, kind of like bring her memories back of Damien. So she does wake up from that pool that she was in and just knocks the person who was reviving her back and then she just says she's free and that um, she must find a way to get to him and there was this weird panel where she says no a thousand curses no the dragon's pit the Lazarus heart and this big like sphere of a Lazarus pit against this this ruins with creatures coming out of the ground like, I wasn't quite too sure what to make of that so I don't know if it was in her head or just the location that she's in so maybe we'll get more clarification on that but yeah, Robin, son of Batman, continues to be good, not great, but telling solid uh, stories with Damien. I, I'm just like the dynamic was shown so far between him and Nobody's Daughter, despite the fact it was laid on a little thick, I felt, in the beginning. So this one I'm going to give three out of five times. The Sixth Sense was spoiled for people before they saw it. So solid issues all around for this episode. That's good. That's uh, that's a nice change from yeah. our episode. I mean, uh, our uh, reviews were... There's always like at least one stinker, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Anyway, uh, I guess that's it for us, right, Tim? Yep, that's it for episode ninety-two, one of the greatest right. series in Batman. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, like I said at the beginning of the show, go over to BatmanUniverse.net on Facebook.com/slash BatmanUniverse on Twitter, Twitter handles at BatmanUniverse, our Twitter handles at Batfans at Batfans27. Uh, Tim's Twitter handle is at TimG311. Mine is at Dates Banana. <laughs> uh, and please rate and review us on iTunes. And email us at batfanswithoutpants at gmail.com. So, with that, like we say at the end of every episode, we love you guys. We love you very much. Just remember, if there's anybody, I mean, if you're ever feeling alone in this world, just know that Tim and Dane love you very, very much. We'll always be there. And care about you. Right, Tim? Yes. Alright, so with that, we'll see you guys next time. See you later, Batman. <laughs>